Praise the Lord, everybody. I'm just glad to be in church on Wednesday night. Praise the Lord. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 17, if you would. Turn and greet your neighbor and tell them, glad to see you in the house of God. Have you come expecting? How many come expecting? Lord, have mercy. You mean I've studied all this time and ain't nobody want nothing? How many come expecting? (laughs) Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now God hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. So I wonder sometimes whenever God will set us in the body if the position God gives us might not actually be our choice. Wow. You know, and I read to you the other night where Brother Bram said that he, when God called him to be an evangelist, he actually wanted to be a pastor. So, I mean, God called him in one direction. He wanted to be something else. Well, he said he thought it'd be really nice to stay home. So God apparently had to change him, didn't he? Has God ever had to change any of you all to where he'd call you in a certain way? Yeah, me too. How many would like to be remembered tonight as we, as we pray? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that we can be gathered together tonight, Lord, in your house, in your presence. Thank you, Lord, that we can have a midweek service come together and to be able to receive strength and nourishment and courage. And Lord, we just love you so much. We're so thankful that you've given us a place, Heavenly Father, that's ours. We're so grateful, Lord God, traveling around in many of the different countries of the world where our brothers and sisters and believers have to rent school buildings and this and that. Lord, they can't even have it one service a week. I pray that we never take it for granted, Lord. I'm so grateful that we have our own church and our own place, and we want to have church four or five nights a week. We can do it. We're so blessed. I just want to let you know, I thank you for that tonight. Father, I pray that you'd be mindful of every need of every individual. Lord Jesus, help us as we assemble ourselves together. Lord, you see Lance and Erica travel down to Nashville today, going to see the doctor tomorrow. We really don't know what they say, but Father, we're more concerned about what you're going to say. So we just pray your will would be done. Lord God, every other need of every individual that's here in the building, those that are streaming, may the presence of God minister to every heart. Father, this prayer cost I have tonight, you see the need. I ask in the name of Jesus that you'd meet it, Lord, according to your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name. And the church said? Amen. Exodus chapter 31, verse 2. You may be seated. How many believes God typed many things in the Old Testament that would be reflected in the New Testament? Now, we'll pick up where we was looking at last week. These men that were called of God and anointed by God to be able to do certain things in the tabernacle in the wilderness. Now, this was called several names, actually, the tabernacle in the wilderness and also the tabernacle of the congregation. Notice this in verse 2. See, I have called by name Bezalel. 
the son of Uriah, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. Now remember, it's going to be a natural building. So it's not a spiritual building, but it's going to be a natural building. It's going to have an outside covering of a tent. It will be the porpoise, the dolphin, uh, the badger, you know, they still debate over actually which one that it was. It'll be the outside and then on the inside will be shatim wood. It will be overlaid in gold. It will have blue, it will have scarlet, it will have silver, speaking of redemption, gold speaking of deity, blue speaking of heavenly, all these different colors and these different things that God is gonna do. And you mean to tell me that the Spirit of God is going to move on these men and give them the ability to be able to design and make things in a very, a very, very decorative type of way. Even the priests are going to dress in such a way they will have what was called ouches and they will have the breast stones and they will have all of them, them stones laid out. Oh, it's absolutely going to be awesome. And that didn't make God mad. God didn't get all upset. You know, sometimes I realize that a lot of folks don't understand what humility is. They think humility is that you come to church and you don't wash and you don't take a bath. And humility is we just meet in a little storefront somewhere. Nothing against that now if that's what God's give people. But somehow people get in their mind that if you have a new church and the seats are comfortable and you got a nice sound system, you got a really pretty pulpit, well, that's pride and that's vanity. Well, you've got God himself being pride, being proudful and anointing these men to be full of pride if that's the mentality. Now watch what God said. I have filled them with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge in all manner of workmanship. Now no doubt there might have been other men that wanted to do this, but God called these men by name. So it wasn't that it was a free-for-all. All right, who wants to do it? Who wants to be able to, to, to design the goal? Who wants to design, raise your hand please, raise your hand. No, God didn't do it that way. Well, let me just go ahead and tell you right now, God don't do the ministry in this day that way either. But what does he do? God calls them himself and then God equips them. Now notice in verse four, to devise cunning works to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in cutting of stones to set them in carving of timber to work in all manner of workmanship. Now we really don't know if these guys had any experience at all prior to this. If they did, it must have been pretty inferior because God was gonna be the one that was gonna have to be the source of their wisdom. But isn't this amazing because what it draws me back to, and I think in the book of Ezekiel, whenever that God had the prophet Ezekiel to prophesy, and he was speaking about Satan and his original condition. In that state, he was called Lucifer. He was called the son of the morning. And he said, thou wast in the garden of God, and every precious stone was thy covering carbuncle and the gold. And it goes to naming all the different things that was on Lucifer. And what's amazing is some of those same stones are the stones that is gonna be uh, bared upon the breastplate of the high priest. 
And some of those same stones are gonna be identified in your future home. And it was Lucifer's original covering that God made him in the Garden of Eden. Every precious stone was thy covering. Thou hast been to the garden of God, and I set thee so. He was the anointed cherub that stopped the approach. So any other angels that come up to God, Lucifer stood there between them and God, and he stopped their approach. So cherubim, seraphim, zooms, whoever they were, they could not approach God until they come before the right-hand man. Now, this is his position. And the right-hand man would stop them and say, what do you want before Father today? What is your petition? What is your desire? And he began to look at himself and realize he had all of these beautiful coverings and it struck him one day. And that's when sin began. It struck him that he was the most illustrious. He was the most brilliant. He was the most, oh, the most blessed one that God had made. And he looked around to the rest of them and he realized nobody looks like me. Nobody is as bright as I am. No one has the coverings that I do. And I hope you understand this. That's where sin began. Sin never began on the earth. Well, that's what the prophet said that day on Calvary, 1960. Sin never began on the earth, but it actually began in heaven. And sin is not a creation, but sin is a perversion. And where did it start? In the heart of Lucifer. What was the beginning of sin? I will. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Yea, I will be like the Most High. So it started in the heart of a created being that was next to God. God's right-hand man to fellowship. Question answer is 1959. God's right-hand man to fellowship. So you imagine if God wanted to fellowship with anybody, he would talk with Lucifer pre-fall. Talk with Lucifer. And he would talk and they'd fellowship back and forth. Oh my goodness. Isn't it hard to believe that he who is in charge of hell was in one time next to God? and went over into the north side of heaven and began to exalt himself above the angels and preached to them. He was the original preacher. Well, glory to God. Just because a man can preach, (laughs) sure don't mean he's saved. Just because a person can shout and run and jump and do whatever more, that don't mean they're saved either. But God had him covered now So beauty within itself is not sin. If it was, then you had God putting sin on Lucifer. But it depends on how it is used. Now we see then that what's gonna happen is that God is going to anoint these men and they are going to define by description and by measurement what is going to be called the oracle, O-R-A-C, L-E. You can type it in your Bible if you'd like to and you'll pull it up on your phone. So it is the oracle. Now the oracle was identified as where the Shekinah is going to live, the Holy of Holies. Well, what I find so amazing about that word when you bring it from the Old Testament, from the Old to the New, and then you have Peter saying that anointed men of God are going to stand up and they are going to bring the oracle of God to the people. 
So here you've got from the tabernacle in the Old Testament and come to the New Testament and true anointed servants of God actually stand in behind the veil where the Holy of Holies is and what comes out of their mouths is actually the holy place of God. No wonder the devil hates preachers. So in this place, God could have simply said, now look, I, I don't need a bunch of fancy stuff. Just, just bring me whatever you want. Just bring a little bit of cedar wood, bring a little bit of maple, bring a little bit of this and that and the other. I don't care what you bring. Just bring whatever you want to bring and just pile it up here in a big pile if you want to. But God is so meticulous. You know what? I don't think God has changed from that. I think when we come to the house of God that we should come with the very best attitude that we can bring. I think that we ought to come with our minds made up. We're going to get something, but we're also going to give a whole lot. We're going to clap our hands. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. We're going to pull on the man of God. We're not just going to come to get, but we're going to come to give. We're not just going to come and occupy a seat, but we're going to participate, right? We're going to revelate. We're going to be part of what God is doing because God is very meticulous. Now, think, it would have no doubt been a lot easier had God just said, well, y'all do whatever you want. But you see, the tabernacle was not built upon their desire or their design. It was God who gave out the measurement of the cubits of how long it would be. It was God that said on the backside that they would actually take and wrap skins around it and they would flap it around on both sides and that Hebrew word there is the same word used for thigh. So God would go in between and there God would dwell. So it was God's design. So God had to anoint people, men, that would be able to think the thoughts of God. Now they probably never even thought this way before. Now notice he says, and in cutting of stones, and then to set them. So it's not enough to cut the stone. And remember the prophet took this same word, and he said that that confessions are stones. But what good are confessions if you don't have a stonemason to cut them? Well, you see, that's the way revivals are. And that's the way sometimes that that many of our youth around the message, they go from one youth camp to another to another, and God does something for them. And then they go back to their home church, and they don't want to sit there and be cut by the pastor, who is a God called Stonemason, to fit in the house of God. But they know, oh my, where's the atmosphere that we have there at the camp? It ain't going to be the same. You're in a rock quarry in your church. There's going to be a lot of dust and a lot of chips go to fly. And there's going to be, but what would you rather be? A rolling stone from one meeting to another or a stone that is cut and hewed and fit into the house of God? Praise the Lord. Now notice, so they're going to cut the stones and then they're going to set them and also in the carving of the timber. So the timber, of course, had to be cut. I don't know how much you're familiar with the topography of Israel, but there's many parts of Israel that has absolutely no trees whatsoever. None, zero. They don't have trees. So this is why they would build their houses out of solid stone. So even whenever Solomon is going to build his temple, he's going to deal with Hiram, which is from a place to where they have all types of cedar trees. And it's in in the country from Lebanon. 
So he makes an agreement with Hiram and Hiram says, I will provide you all the cedar that you need because they didn't have a lot of trees. Now in Galilee and in certain parts they have more than others, but you could go for miles and miles and not see one tree in the land of Israel. So they had to go to a lot of trouble to get this timber. Well, why didn't God say, why don't you all just make some brick like the Egyptians did? Now they were familiar with that because they had come out of the land of Egypt. So why didn't God say, well, just go out there and take the, the mud and just set it there. I was in, in uh, Zimbabwe several years ago, also in Uganda, and I saw them as they took a, a brick mold, it was a large brick, but they took a brick mold and they took it from the Nile River. I stayed in a hotel right on the Nile. As a matter of fact, I ate lunch at that hotel and a guy went out there and caught a fish out of that Nile River and I had it for lunch. So it's the blue now, if you know there's a difference between the two. And it's right there. And I saw them as they would take that mud and pour it out in those molds and then they would dump it out and they would build a kill. So they got hundreds and hundreds of these brick and they pile them up in a pile and they send a man in there and he crawls inside of there and takes all kinds of sticks and lumber and he lights a fire and they have their own kill right there. So they bring it at a certain temperature. Why didn't God say that? It'd been a lot easier. They had dirt, they had water, but God said, no, I'm gonna put you on a little bit of bind. I want my house to have wood in it. God, what are you talking about? There ain't no wood around here. But if I want wood, I'll make a way to have wood. Now, I don't know if you know it or not, but God prophesied in the Old Testament that in the northern part of Israel that there would be certain gemstones that would come out of this certain part of Israel. Well, there has never been any gemstones ever found in that certain part of Israel, never, until an old rabbi began to read that scripture in the book of Isaiah. And he shared this with a businessman friend of his, and this man took that word of Isaiah, and he said, you know what, Isaiah said right here in this certain spot, there's gonna be all kinds of things. That man lost thousands and tens of thousands of dollars. He lost his reputation among the Jews. He lost so much stuff, but he took God that there was something that God had said, and they all thought he was crazy until one day he was out there digging around and found them jewels of prophecy. His family to this day is mining many of those stones. You imagine pulling that right out of the out of the ground and it's exactly the word of the Lord. So God knows exactly where they are. Now I know you know it, but Israel doesn't hardly have any oil whatsoever. But God's prophet said one day Russia will go down after the oil. They may not have hit it yet, but someday they will. Why? Because it's a word of God. Remember, it was one of the inheritance of the tribes that he said, I have set your feet in oil. And the unbeliever looks at that and said, there ain't no oil in there. No, what you should say is, they just ain't found it yet. So whatever you're needing tonight, and you may say, well, God said it, but there ain't none here. If I was you, I'd say, I ain't found it yet. But I'm fixing to find it because it's God's promise and I need it, and God cannot make a promise that he cannot back up. So many of these things that we're looking at, it would have been very difficult for them to have. Remember, they've not been that long out of the land of Egypt. So God is gonna demand one and one quarter tons of gold. God is gonna demand four and a quarter tons of silver. Where in the world are a bunch of slaves 
going to get all this type of material. I'm talking about stuff that kings traded in. The metallurgical value of gold and silver and bronze and brass and blue and scarlet and purple. How in the world can a bunch of slaves do that? But if God demands it, God will make a way. Well, let me tell you something. God demands that there will be a church called the bride in the last day. God has made the requirement, then God will provide the members. I don't care what the devil said. I don't care if you and I look at it and say, well, it's looking pretty bad. It's looking pretty skimpy. Don't worry. God is able of these stones to raise seed up to Abraham. If God said it, it will be. Somebody said amen. Amen. Notice in verse six, and I, behold, I have given with him a holy hat, the son of Eshmech, of the tribe of Dan, and in the hearts of all of those that are wise-hearted have I put wisdom, now apparently it wasn't there before, that they may make all that I have commanded thee. Chapter 35, verse 34, and he has put in his heart that he may teach. Now notice what God has done to this other brother, that God has not only gifted him with the ability to do it, but God has gifted him with the ability to teach. But you know, it don't make any difference how good a teacher you are if you don't have people with a teachable spirit. Now, no doubt some of them being probably thought they was just as good as he was, and they thought they was just as called, but God never called them by name, did they? God called these two guys by name, so it must have been pretty important to God. Now, notice chapter 36, verse 1. Then wrought Bezalel and Oliab and every wise-hearted man and whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all the manner of work for the service of the sanctuary, according to all that the Lord had commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Oholiab, and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom. So God calls them first, then the prophet calls them together. Now they're gonna receive instruction because this is God's divine order of protocol. So God deals with them, and God places that something in their heart. God's not gonna bypass his prophet, oh no. God's gonna go right directly through the means that he's called him for, so the prophet calls them together. Now, let's look at some of the building materials, if you don't mind. Gold, listen to this, 29 talents, 730 shekels, one and one quarter tons, tons of gold. Silver, 100 talents, 1,775 shekels, four and one quarter tons. Brass, 70 talents, 2,400 shekels, four tons. A talent of gold was about 120 pounds, a talent of silver about 100 pounds, and a shekel half an ounce. According to the cost of the wood, fabrics, priestly garments, precious stones, it has been estimated to be valued at 35 cents. Now that's what some narrow-minded people would want to bring to God. $30 million. $30 million. That's the most expensive tent I have ever heard of in my life. $30 million. Brother, show them some of the pictures again of the tabernacle. But now let's look at it and see why would it have costed so much. Well, look at this pretty stuff on the walls. That is not Sherlin Williams gold number 304. This is God's gold out of D-U-S-T. 
So they took this shittim wood and they put it and then they start giving these guys to carve. Then they take the gold and they smelt it down. And then they make it into thin plates. And then they got guys sitting around with hammers and they're taking them thin plates of gold and they're beating them to take the form of the cherubims and all these other things. You imagine all the work and all the labor that they had to spend and all the time and all the effort that it's going to put forth to make something for the house of God. Lord, have mercy. This looks awful fancy to me. Why in the world would the Lord want to spend so much money on a place just for his presence to be? Why can't we go down to Walmart and buy a little pup tent? Let's just get a 12 by 12 and we'll throw up a little bitty pup tent and we'll get us some tobacco sticks and we'll throw us up an altar and we'll just get some, oh Lord, have mercy, don't tell me. No, no, no. This is a church. This ain't nothing compared to the mystical body that he's been working on for 2,000 years. Hallelujah. Now let's read Exodus 33, 7. Let's see God's attitude once they got this $30 million structure built. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it, notice what he calls it, the tabernacle. Why would he call it after the people? The tabernacle of the, I thought this was the house of God. So you mean they named God's house after his people. The tabernacle of the congregation. Do you realize that's what we are here tonight? The tabernacle of the congregation. One day this building of ours will be nothing but dust and ashes. And this and right here will be shouting down streets of gold, changed by the power of God. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. Now, once you notice initially the stages of progression of revelation, initially the tabernacle of the congregation is not built in the midst of where the people live. It's first set up outside the camp. So if you worshiped, you had to go outside the camp. But it's amazing, as the revelation moves on, then we find God tells Moses, set the tabernacle in a certain place, and then I want you to place the tribes all around it. What was God showing? His mystery. Christ, the mystery of God revealed. It would start out that God would be far from his people once Adam crossed the chasm. And God would be such distance between even his elect, but the revelation would move him closer. So this beautiful building then was set up and it came to pass everyone who saw the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation. But as it progressed on in time, God tells Moses, spilt it and set my people around me and I will be in the midst of them. Hallelujah. Look at verse nine, and it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle. 
the cloudy pillar descended. Hallelujah. And stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses and all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the door of the tabernacle door and all the people rose up and what? What? Worshiped every man in his tent door. Listen to this verse. Oh, one of my favorite in the book of Exodus. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Praise God. Aren't you glad we can know the Lord that way today? If you don't know him that way, friend, it's time you moved up. Don't, don't, don't just keep this mentality in your mind that God's this mean God that he's out to get you and God looking for you to make a mistake. That's not who our father is. He loves us. He wants us to have communion and fellowship with him. He wants us to be friends. He wants us, oh my, he wants us to be a part of his body. We are his body. This building is not the body of God. The Lord Jesus ain't coming for this church. He's not coming for the wall structure and the concrete and the wood on the inside. He's coming for the saints of God that are filled with the Holy Ghost. And the only way that you can be absolutely sure that you're included in this rapture is that the token is on display in your soul. Oh my. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man departed. So what did God do? Now God, 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 oh, is that, I, I'm so mad. I, I can't believe y'all decorated this place and it's gold and silver and all this stuff and God just got a bad attitude? No. No, as a matter of fact, God was so pleased. Look in verse 17. And the Lord said unto Moses, now remember Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. Moses was asking to see the secret of God, which even, even Abraham never got to see. If I have found favor in your sight, let me see you. I don't want just the law. I don't want just great thou shalt and thou shalt not. I want to see you. Now notice what God tells him. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness. Now listen what Moses is going to see. I will make all my goodness pass before thee. Now God could have chose miracles. He could have chose signs and wonders. We believe in all that. But God chose to reveal his attribute of goodness to Moses. Moses is not asking for signs. Pharaoh saw signs that didn't move them. Come on. Pharaoh saw wonders, he saw supernatural, but Moses wanted to see more. And God said, I will make all of my goodness, wow, pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name 
of the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. So Moses asked to see God and God said, this is what you're gonna see about me. You're gonna see my election. I will be merciful to whom I will be merciful. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. You realize how blessed you are if you see that about God? And he said, thou canst not see my face. Now notice what Moses is asking. I wanna see you. I don't wanna see a visage. I do not wanna see a symbol of glory. I want to see you. Now he's asking to see Christos. Christos Christ is hid in the very heart of God. How did this man know there was a mysterious part of God that had not yet been revealed? Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me. And thou shalt stand upon a rock. Now notice what's fixing to happen. God is gonna bring Moses into a cave. He must be sheltered from the effigy of God, the Shekinah, the glory. No man can look at this and live. So God picks out a place. They said, there's a place by me over here and you'll stand upon a rock. Lord God, let me be standing on that too. And it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by. Notice God don't say my body, but my glory. Now there is a visage, an image that he's going to see. But it'll be so faint, but not the face, not the front. He'll only see the back parts. But what will bear upon him and imprint upon him something it will never get over is the glory of God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. And it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by that I will put thee in a cleft of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. So God has this special created place and he sets Moses in that place and then God stretches his hand, as it were, over the opening, the covering. And they say it like this, that God would have spread his fingers out, maybe something in this similitude. So the glory would be able to penetrate through. And Moses in this secret place would see that which was to come. That which had not yet been revealed and would not fully be revealed until Jesus walked on the earth. Now when this being goes to going by, 
Then God, notice what he does. I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by, and I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. I wonder the awe that must have struck her when she gave birth to him. Joseph picked him up, swatted him, and he took the breath of life. And Mary looked down in his face. And for the first time, the human face of God was now being seen. God the Word. God the Word. Hmm. And I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shalt thou not see. And yet none of the rest of the children of Israel got to see this in the tabernacle. As a matter of fact, a regular worshiper like all of us, we couldn't even go in behind where the, third, the second veil was into the inner sanctum where God's presence was. We was never even allowed there. Only the high priest, the regular priests, the regular Levites, the Nephtalims, those who carried all of this structure, those who played the music, none of them was even allowed in there. And the high priest never got to see what Moses got to see. And yet that which Moses saw, if you have the Holy Ghost, is living in your soul this very night. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. The only thing that needs to happen to us, Harry, is he needs to move his hand as it was of the veil off of our eyes and let us be able to look, Brother Joel, past our humanity, past our weakness, past our brothers and sisters' weakness and realize what are we seeing that's changing our lives. It's that same glory of God. The healings and things that are happening among us. What is that? It's God reflecting himself in his glory. But I gotta be honest honest with you. I want more than healing. I want more than miracles. Oh yes, I want to see him. I'm waiting myself for that body change. Hallelujah. When we will be like him for we shall see him as he is. <sighs> Hallelujah. First Kings chapter 7. Now this place would provide a place of worship for many hundreds of years. It would be a sacred place. But oh, you see, God had a further revealing. So he goes from the first tabernacle and he begins to move on David's heart and David said, I love thy law. It is sweeter to me than the honey and the honeycomb. And he said, Lord, if I could just live a day in your courts, I'd rather do that than to be out there with all the sinners and do whatever they do. And there was something in David that kept crying for a house of God. Now remember, David was not allowed to go in there because he was not a priest. So he could not go in there, but he would lay on the outside. 
He would prostrate himself. That's the way they would pray. So David would lay outside totally prostrate uh, and uh, right there on the ground before the presence of God and maybe peer underneath the bottom of the curtain just a little bitty hemline and look back there and try to see what it was. Where you at, God? I know you're in here somewhere. Where are you, Papa? I know you're here. The prophet said David had a seed, but he didn't have the Holy Ghost to quicken it. But David knew there was something, oh, hallelujah, about the presence of God. You imagine when the high priest would come out of there, the first one to try to, to question him and say, what's it like? What's it like when you go in there on the day of Yom Kippur, the day of atonement? So they go in and out seven times. They go in and out, in and out, in and out. And they had the seven stripes of blood, which they still don't know to this day what it's even for. And they would go inside of there and take the blood of the lamb and the, the atonement and they'd go in there and it must have been absolutely awesome. Oh, David would say, what's it feel like? Tell me, oh brother, oh King David, I, I can't even explain it to you. It is so awesome when you walk into that presence. Now think, no, of the old Testament people was ever able to sense such a thing and every day of your life you have that living inside of your soul but you say brother Donnie I don't feel it every day no and I don't either but it's still here whether I feel it or not God don't come and go and come and go if you've got him he's sealed in your soul you ought to praise him brother sister every day that you've got what David longed for and he never got to have it David wanted to build a house of God. He thought, if I can't go in there, God, would you let me build one? Please, just let me build a house for you. God said, David, you've shed too much blood. But I will let one from your loins. He will build a house for my name. Now, remember, double-accented prophecy, speaking not only to Solomon, but of David's spiritual son, Christ Jesus. I mean, know that God renamed Solomon. Solomon, of course, means peace. But God called him by another name, Jedidiah. So God names him, and he calls him by name. And God sets his kingdom as a kingdom of peace. Isn't it amazing? God could have done the same thing for David if he wanted to. He just said all them enemies out there, hey, you all, shut up and go home. All you Philistines from Gath, leave David alone. And David could enjoy the rest of his life in peace. But that wasn't for David's time. Isn't it amazing how that our fathers and our mothers go through certain things and then other people go through certain things and then the Spirit of God just moved upon the earth in the reign of Solomon and God just whispered peace. And on every boundary, there was nothing but peace. People just happy. I mean, they just enjoyed life. Well, that sounds like heaven to me, don't you? Nobody just out there arguing and fussing. And God go to giving Solomon all this favor with these people that had trees because they didn't have none. And he began to give them favor with all these people which was the hewers of the wood because they didn't have apparently a lot of them either. So everything that he needed that wasn't in his land was going to be around him. And God just said, all right, no more war for a while. We're going to have a time of peace. Everybody just enjoy it and everybody give all this stuff to Solomon. And the Spirit of God began to move upon these people's hearts. And Hiram of Tyre said, I knew thy father well. I know that he was a great man and I knew that God would not allow him to build the temple, but God has allowed you. So he promised him all the cedar that he would ever want. And he promised him this, and then they promised him this from somewhere else, and that from something else. And here started coming in all of this material 
to build the second phase of the house of God. 1 Kings 7, 13. And King Solomon sent and fetched Hiram out of Tyre. He was a widow's son of the tribe of Naphtali, and his father was a man of Tyre, a worker in brass, and he was filled with wisdom and understanding and cunning to work all works in brass. And he came to King Solomon and wrought all his work. For he cast two pillars of brass, just read a little bit about his work, of 18 cubits high apiece, and a line of 12 cubits did compass either of them. And he made two chapters of molten brass to set upon the tops of the pillars. Brothers, you got a, pillar, a picture of this, you want to show it. To set upon the tops of the pillars, the height of the one chapter was five cubits, and the height of the other, notice this now, was five cubits. He passed it. There it is, right there. Yeah. On over, over to your left. Yeah, there you go. So here God anoints this man, and this is going to be the entryway to Solomon's temple, as they call it. Look at all this fancy stuff. Well, why in the world would God have to have something like that? Why not just put a bunch of sheetrock mud on there and just slam that thing up there and boy, sand that dude down? I mean, we can have church next week. Why in the world you want to take this long? Because God is a picky God. I hope you get this tonight. I want you to understand, God don't want a third of your best. God don't want a half of your best. God wants your best. And if you ain't giving God your best every time you come to the house of God, I say shame on you. Well, come on, somebody say amen. Look what God wanted. Now this, it's in the natural sense. It was the natural, but can you imagine the awe that when people from around the world came and they was able to see what this was and they thought, wow, they're God. Now remember, all the rest of the gods were fictitious. They were man-made. So they made the temple in the way they thought their God would want it. Not with this temple. This temple was made in the way their God wanted it because their God told them how he wanted it. Well, you see, it's the same way with church. A lot of folks go to church, but they're not doing the way our God told them to do it. So what do they do? They make a church in the way, well, we're going to do it this way. This way we do it at our church. We don't believe in that laying hands on the sick at our church. We don't believe in that. We believe the days of miracles is past. No, they ain't. I'm one of them. Well, we don't believe God does this and that and other. Well, that's the way you believe at your church. That ain't the way we believe it here, is it, saints? Why? Because we want to do it the way our God says do it. So whenever we see it, we hear it, we testify about it, then we are expressing even more glory than something this beautiful. Verse 20, and the chapters upon the two pillars had pomegranates, also above, over against the belly, which was by the network. Now, they didn't have internet, but they had networks of fancy stuff. You know, imagine all them little filigrees and all that checkered work. Look, that's what the Bible calls it up here. It calls it checkered work. So why didn't God just say, give me an old piece of wood and just throw, throw a tarp up? Why out throw a tarp up? I'm gonna be humble. Go out there and pick up the four or five bean poles and grab you an old goat skin and throw all the top of it. Why, you don't need all this gold and silver and all this fancy stuff? God was reflecting his meticulous nature. 
But you see, many people have that mindset today about church. That's why it don't take much to get them to stay home on Wednesday night. Or it don't take much to get them to stay home on, on Saturday. Now, boy, if they're going to the lake, it takes hell and high water to keep them out of the lake. Man alive, if they have got a trip planned down there to see Dollywood, it's another Dollywood weekend again. Brother Donnie's out and gone. Load up the children, honey pie. Let's all sing along. Oh, Dolly, here we come. Oh, glory. We're going down to see her again. It's another Dollywood weekend. I feel victory again. So people say, I've got a sniffle. And you're trying to make yourself sneeze. I might have COVID. I better not go to church. Then about eight o'clock, you go to Walmart. You sorry, dog. Uh, well, I was going to go to church, but I got up from my, from my recliner too fast and felt kind of woozy headed. I better sit back down, honey. Let's stream. Let's stream. I do hope y'all ain't planning on streaming the marriage supper of the Lamb. Thank God for streaming. But I think there's a lot of people that could come to church that keep their sorry hide at the house and stream instead of coming to church. Uh Uh-huh. I know a preacher by the name of Ronald Dean Spencer that takes chemo pills every day of his life. Text me not long ago, vomited eight times before preaching on Sunday morning. I guarantee you his testimony is gonna condemn a lot of message, folks. Well, preach, Brother Donnie. Why, because they throw up God an old tarp over three or four backer sticks and you know, I, I don't care, I don't care. I'm going to church, but I ain't gonna worship. Brother Louie ain't gonna make me worship, don't worry. We're not gonna try to make you worship. If you don't wanna worship, keep your hands down. If you don't wanna worship, keep your mouth shut, but I'm gonna worship whether you do or not. I'm gonna praise God whether you do or not. And if I feel a little dance in my feet, I'm gonna dance a little bit. I may holler a little bit because I was born to worship the Lord. I was born to praise him and I am meticulous about my worship. Verse 21, and he set up the pillars in the porch of the temple and he set up the right pillar and called the name thereof Jacin and he set up the left pillar and called the name thereof Boaz. Upon the top of the pillars was lily work, already with pomegranates and checkered work, but he found another spot to squeeze in something else. He thought, I believe the lily of the valley would look beautiful there. Well, I worshiped him last month, Brother Donnie. I mean, how much do you want? I wonder how much of our days we could cram in so many more prayers and worship, and adoration, and love. I mean, you don't just worship in church. I worship him every day of my life. As a matter of fact, if you ever run into me at Lowe's or or Home Depot or something like that, and I don't see you or speak to you, it's probably because I'm talking to my friend. 
I talk to him going down the grocery store line. I talk to him, I whistle, I sing, I praise him. No, don't, don't sit there and look at me funny. Why? I figure I'm losing a lot of worship time if I just do it Wednesday and Saturday. My goodness, that's just two times a week. I want to do it Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. I want to praise him in the morning. I want to praise him in the, if I wake up, I woke up this morning about 3.30. Oh, I wanted to praise him at 3.30. Whatever I get up, whatever. I will thank you, Lord, for another day. Why? I was born to serve the Lord. This is not a burden to me. I was ordained to be a chapter on top of the capital. Hallelujah. We are right here at the top, brother, sister. We are the finale. We are the crescendo of the work of God. Mm. And he made a molten sea, 10 cubits from the one brim to the other, round all about, and his height was five cubits, and a line of 30 cubits did compass it about. Chapter six, verse 21, and Solomon overlaid the house with cardboard and any old scrap pieces of stuff he could find. And he went over to Daniel Ball Converters and found a bunch of old metal laying out there and he thought, that's good enough for the house of God. Solomon overlaid the house within with. And he made a petition by the chains of gold before the oracle. And he overlaid it with gold. And the whole house he overlaid with gold. Wow. I guess y'all know this is going to be an expensive place, right? You know that already? The whole house he overlaid with gold until he had finished all the house. Also, the whole altar was a by the oracle he overlaid with gold. You ready for the price? <laughs> Excluding the bronze, using the average current price of gold. The gold alone in Solomon's temple would have been an astonishing 194 billion, 404 million, 500,000 Dollars. Cha-ching. Pocket change to God. A hundred and ninety-four billion? The silver would have been twenty-two billion, one hundred ninety-nine million seventy-six thousand. Add the gold and the silver used along in Solomon's temple, it was worse. 216 billion, 603 million, 576 thousand dollars. Some of y'all thought God was a tightwad. Can you imagine what this place must have looked like? Let's show them a little bit, brothers. Some artist's rendition of Solomon's temple. 
from the inside. There you go. So here's the priest, the cherubims, the ark. You can see it back here. Gold everywhere. That wasn't an insurance company big enough in the world to insure this place, was it? But I figured the God that has them to make it will insure it. And the insurance was this. As long as you keep my covenant, I'll be with you. And nothing shall defeat you. That's better than Farm Bureau. That's better than any other kind of insurance. Let me tell you something, friend, as a believer, you've got a life policy, you've got a body policy, you've got a soul policy, you've got a policy, and as long as you obey the word, there ain't nothing can knock you out of the will of God. As long as you and I is obedience to the word, God told Solomon, he said, if you will keep my word, I will keep you, I will keep this people, and this will be a house for my name, but alas! 586 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar comes in and destroys this place. I don't know if you know this or not, but when Nehemiah and Zerubbabel come back and they start rebuilding this temple, then of course Herod the Great, the great builder, they call him Herod the Great, starts embellishing the temple and making it bigger. And Titus comes in in 70 AD and destroys it. That's the one Jesus was in. You know this? You realize this? It was on the exact same day that the first temple was destroyed on. So first and second temple were destroyed on the same day. Why? Same reason. People got away from God. Is that what we want to happen to us? There's only one way that it won't. We look like other churches. Our building may look similar to other churches. Our music may be similar to other churches. We may wear some of the same jeans and shirts and dress ties and this and that and the other. That will not keep us. What will keep our message in the holy presence of God? Holy consecrated lives. And as long as that, there will be nothing stand before us. As a matter of fact, he tells us with revelation in our life that Satan will become powerless before us. But if we try to come and sing and do all the the religious chicanery that we can produce without the power of God in our lives, we're no more than any other denominational church. Oh, I don't want to be that to you. I want to be a place where the lost can be saved, where the sick can be healed, where people can receive the Holy Ghost. And we're not gathering here to rally around this preacher or that preacher or another preacher, but we are gathered here to praise the only one who is worthy, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. I give praise to no man. I'm not here tonight to honor any man. I'm here to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. First Kings 8, 6, and the priest brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord into his place, into the oracle of the house, to the most holy place, even under the wings of the cherubims. For the cherubims spread forth their two wings over the place of the ark, 
and the cherubims covered the ark and the staves thereof above. And they drew out the staves at the ends of the staves were seen out of the holy place before the oracle and they were not seen without and they're there unto this day. There was nothing in the ark save the two tables of stone. Now watch how the glory is changing. Now on the tabernacle of the congregation, there was Aaron's rod. There was the pot of manna and the two tables of stone. But here, same ark, what happened to the rod? What happened to the manna? Already something is being left out of the ark. You think God went down there and got it? People, people. Now they got a greater building, magnificent structure, but part of the glory is missing. Where from? Within. So Aaron's rod, ministry, ministry is no longer there. The manna being kept fresh in the presence of God. What was it? Warmed up leftovers. Same sermon retitled. (laughs) I'll tell you one thing, friends. I don't figure if we live on this earth for another thousand years, I don't figure we'll ever get this message of the end time preached. There's things in this Bible, and I've been reading it since I was just a kid, and I'm thinking, Lord, have mercy. You're going to have to back off me a little bit, Jesus. I'm going to have to start having service three or four times a week in order to get all these series that I've been studying out. Because you think you never run out. I'm so glad we have broke into eternity. We have broken. Oh, Brother Don, I've been scared you're going to run out. Let me just, uh, just go ahead and calm you down, honey. Don't worry about it. I, I'd say within the next 15 to 20 years, we're good. So after that, maybe we'll get to worrying and worry more about me and my strength, I suppose, than God's worry running out because we won't never run out of things to eat. We are in the end time. We have broken to eternity where God is manifesting his word. Now notice what happened once they built this magnificent structure. You think God would even come around such a place? Let's look at God's attitude. And it came to pass when the priest or come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand the minister because of the cloud. Praise God. That's a building full of cloud, ain't it? I mean, the cloud of God got so heavy and so thick in there, it was squeezing out the preachers. They said, Lord, come on, back off, Jesus, come on. They said, boys, boys, this ain't about you. It ain't about how great you are. It ain't about how long you said and how great your gift is. It's all about me. It's all about my glory. It's all about this cloud of my presence. So the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. Then spake Solomon. The Lord said he would dwell in the thick darkness. Five eighty-six. They destroy it. Just recently, they found some of the burnt timber burned, buried under 30-some feet in some places, 40-some feet in other places of dirt, sand, and rock. Carbon dated it, 
right back to Nebuchadnezzar's time of the first destruction of the temple. Of course, they raise it. Herod embellishes it. And at the same time, out walks a man out of Galilee. And he shall be called a Nazarene. Here was the house of God. Which would you think looked the most magnificent? A $30 million tent? $200 billion building? Or a poor little fella? Little small guy in stature? His mother ridiculed, laughed at? But in behind his skin was God. The glory had now changed from stone to flesh. And this is the male body, and the female is coming. Let's stand. Praise God. Let me give you a little preview of next, next Wednesday, Lord willing. Matthew 16, 18, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So here we have the same builder that moved on Bezalel, Aholiab, and those other wise men. The same builder is now telling another wise man, Peter. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Acts chapter 1 verse 1. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to both do and teach in the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Now here's the builder again. But notice this time he's not choosing stonemasons that's going to hew natural stone. He's not choosing men to build his church, which are great architects. But he's going to choose men that's going to be called apostles. And he will build this new church on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. This is why we believe in apostolic doctrine. If our church, Word of Life Church, is not built on the doctrine of the apostles, our church will fail. Right? Every message church, I don't care if they call themselves message, a lot of them that call themselves message are not apostolic. They pay no attention to what the apostles say. But this is what Jesus said. Now notice, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments. Isn't this what God did to Moses? Before they built the tabernacle, and here the Lord Jesus is giving commandments. Unto who? His apostles. And one of them was Matthew 28, 19. 
And he said, go you therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then the builder stands up there on the day of Pentecost and then people say, hey, what do we got to do to be saved? He said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, how in the world could Jesus say one thing and Peter say something else? They didn't. They said the same thing. Father is not a name. How many fathers have we got in the building? How many sons? How many of y'all got a spirit, which is what the Holy Ghost is? So your fathers, your sons, but what's your name? What's your name? Rob Weber, what's your name? So your name's not son? So many of you that that are standing here tonight, I've married you. So why whenever I finish the ceremony and I turn around to present you, and I will say, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Mr. and Mrs. Son of the Father. Well, wouldn't that be true? You want me to marry you that way? No? Well, would not, would not that be the truth if I'd say, now I present to you the Son of the Father. What do you expect to hear? This man's name right here before long. Mr. and Mrs. So when Peter stood up there, old people say, I'll tell you one thing, I'd rather do what Jesus said than Peter said. You know why I know people say that? Because I said it. Because Carol had an uncle, and he was Jesus only, but he's a good man and loved the Lord. And every time I'd go up to her grandpa's house to wash my car, he had a cistern up there. And every time I'd go up there and he'd say, Donnie, go over and wash your car you want to. And I'd go up there and wash my car. Here would come Uncle Junior. And Uncle Junior would want to talk about Acts 2.38, Acts 22.16. I thought, oh, Lord, here he comes. I'd say, that man's worse than a water dog. Because that man knew I was blind. And I couldn't see it. But one day the Lord went, and my eyes went, oh my goodness. So here, oh excellent Theophilus, the commandments are given to the master builders, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So here is the Lord Jesus himself with his apostles, the master builders, telling them, boys, I'm gonna fill you with the Holy Ghost. Here's the plans. I'm going to reincarnate myself in my wife. She was hid in me till Calvary. Now I'm gonna be hid in her after Pentecost. (laughs) Glory to God. So the apostles, now they've got to get it over to them. So what are they going to do? Well, they've got to say what he said. Because this is not Peter's house. This is not John's house. This is his house. Praise the Lord. And everybody said, Acts 2.42. I'm going to read this again to you next Wednesday night, but it won't hurt you to hear it twice. And they continued steadfastly in... Read it. What? The apostle. Wait a minute. 
Well, shouldn't, shouldn't have Luke said Jesus' doctrine? You mean these people are following the doctrine of the apostles? Yeah. Why? They got it from Jesus. And they continue to steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. I'm going to read two more to you. Ephesians 2, 19, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. And of the... Ah. So now see the church had already been built. You're part of the household of God. Now notice what you're built on. And are built upon the foundation. How could Paul say this? You mean Paul didn't say Jesus? Praise the Lord, somebody. I'm sorry y'all didn't know this is in your Bible. You need to spend more time in it, less time on Facebook. Keep your face in the book, you'll be a whole lot better person. Well, glory. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and Jesus Christ himself being the What? You mean the apostles are the foundation and Jesus is the chief cornerstone which is the first stone laid on the foundation. How could that be? That the apostles are the foundation and Jesus laid himself on top of what they taught. Can't you see why we had to have a prophet that would come in the last days and turn us back to the faith of the apostolic fathers? Praise the Lord. And somebody said, hallelujah. Don't you love him with all your heart? Now look around here. Human beings that are aging, I see glasses on people. The rest of you wearing contacts. The rest of you can't see, so it's either you're blind or, you know. Look at us, we got, we got things to walk, we, got, we, we take pills for this, and we gotta do this, and we gotta do that, and yet we stand and say, you say you're the house of God. Yes, I do. Without apology, the living God lives in me. How many lives in you? Well, where's the gold? Where's the silver? Where's the blue? Where's the scarlet? Where's all the fine, fancy work? The fine, fancy work is what he's doing in my life every day. Changing me. Changing me. Day by day. To form me into his image. Don't you love him? Aren't you glad they just didn't throw a shaney up out there in the wilderness? Because if they'd have done that, that's what God would have done with you. But it took them countless of hours molding and making, taking the little mollusk shell and taking that scarlet color out of the lining that attaches the the female only to that little shell. And whenever they go to all that trouble to get it out, they wind up with one drop, one drop of dye. Can you imagine how many thousands of them that it took to make the garments of the priest and the holy sanctum on the inside and one little thing put out one drop 
And then they had a little lilisocus, it's called, which was sort of like a locust. And they found another, which was a branch off of the scarlet, more like the purple, a purplish blue. And the same in it. Take all thousands and thousands of them, hundreds and hundreds of them to make this much. It was so much work and so much struggle (laughs) and so much effort. Praise the Lord. Boy, it's Wednesday and I work like a dog. I'll tell you what, I'm wore out. I don't know. You want to go to church, honey, or not? We could stay here and stream. And we could go in the kitchen and get that chocolate cake and get us a little bit of vanilla ice cream and put on top of it. Well, amen, Brother Donna. He won't know we're sitting here eating cake and ice cream. You sorry dog sat there at home and we're out here laboring. God knew it would be this way. He don't make it easy, friends. God don't make it easy for us. He wants us to struggle. He wants us to put forth an effort. Oh, but the reward that weighs for us as the people of God. Hallelujah. Here I am to worship. Sing it for us. Here I am to bow down. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Do you realize the service we was in here Sunday, the presence of God moving in this place. Several people healed. You probably seen me hollering and raising my hands and praising God. It was for several other people that had already been healed. Do you realize you've been privileged to stand in the presence of Almighty God, the creator of heavens and earth, and all he wants from you. Carol saw me the other day and she said, you know, I've just been thinking about it. He really don't ask that much of us. He just wants us to live right and do right and go to church and sing and worship him and love him. He really don't ask that much of us. But yet it's like, oh, it's just like it kills us. Oh my, don't you just want to love him? Here I am, Lord. Here I am to worship. Here I am to magnify you. I don't want no rock crying out in my place, Lord. Let's just worship him a bit before we go, can you? If I dismiss you, you're going to go out there and stand and talk anyway. So let's just spend this few minutes in the presence of the Lord. Let's just let him know how much we love him. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together. Yes, worthy, wonderful to me, light of the world, light of the world, you step down into darkness, open my eyes, let me see, hallelujah, beauty that may thank you Lord this heart adore you hope of a life spent with you everybody here I am to worship here I am to bow down here I am to say that you're my God you're all together all together love with you 
Sing upon 
For 
us, Lord, to be Of the Lord is in this place. 
Let's just sing this little chorus tonight as we're dismissed. I just want to be ready. I just want to be ready. What key is that? Gee, let's sing that service this weekend, Sunday. Come believe and expect it. Amen. Oh, I just want to be ready. Oh, I just want to be ready to go. I, I want to be ready Oh, I just want to be ready to go Oh, I just want to be ready Yes, I want to be ready to go Oh, I I just want to be ready to go. I don't know how long I'll be here. Jesus said that He'd come again. And when He comes, I will go with Him. When I hear I want to be ready to go. Oh, I, oh, I want to be ready. Yes, I just want to be ready to go. I cannot be sure of just when. I'm gonna be ready, gonna be ready. Oh yes, I'm gonna be ready to go. Oh, I'm gonna be ready. Yes, I'm. I'm gonna be ready to go. Oh, 
Yes, I'm. Oh, I'm gonna be ready. Yes, I'm. I'm gonna be ready to go. Oh, I'm. I'm gonna be ready. Oh, yes, I'm. I'm gonna be ready to go. I'm gonna be ready to go. Oh, I'm gonna be ready. Yes, I'm. I'm gonna be ready to go. Oh, I'm gonna be ready. 